All right. From the top, welcome to the Symphony <laughs> Podcast. This is where we break down, usually break down one important topic each week. And for those of you who have never listened to this show, it's basically the concept is a symphony requires many different instruments to make one beautiful harmony. And uh, Matthew and I co-hosting take the same approach to our lives. And uh, that's what drives the curiosity for this show. So today we've got Nate Richards in the building on virtual Zoom. And uh, Nate's a pole vaulter. Nate, I'm going to pass it to you to introduce yourself because you're going to be able to do it better than anyone else. But um, thanks for being here, man. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Uh, first podcast. So huge. Exciting. Um, yeah, my name is Nate Richards. I'm from McHenry, Illinois. It's a little suburb outside of uh, Chicago. And uh, I started pole vaulting in high school. Um, it's this really gnarly event in track and field, in my opinion, the most exciting one. Um, and, uh, was fortunate enough to get on the team at the university of Notre Dame competed there for five years. I had one redshirt year cause I got injured. Um, and it was there that I jumped, uh, the world a standard my senior year. And for those of you who, uh, don't know what a world standard is, um, in the track and field world, it's kind of the uh, qualification that you need uh, to potentially go to the Olympic Games or World Championships. Um, and so in many ways, it's just the precursor to becoming a professional track and field athlete. So after I jumped that, um, I decided to take this leap of faith and, and pull vault professionally uh, after, after college trained for the uh, 2021 Olympic trials. And uh, ever since I've been out in Phoenix, Arizona, training with Nick Heisong at Risen Performance. Um, Nick is my coach and uh, he himself is an Olympic gold medalist in the pole vault. Um, he jumped 5.9 meters at the Olympic games in Sydney uh, to win gold, which in feet that's like 19 feet four inches or something like that yeah it's up there it's up there um so it's been a journey so far um lots of ups and downs uh but i've enjoyed every minute of it wow dude i mean you're skimming over so much good stuff i want to take us back to how you first got into pole vault and matthew uh why don't you introduce yourself as well give us a couple seconds yeah, I'm here too, as always. <laughs> Stoked for this conversation too. But I actually just right off the jump, I had a question of that. So that 188 um, number, is that something that you have to hit in a competition? Or is that just kind of like the standard of, okay, if you can hit this, then you have a chance of competing professionally? Yeah, you have to hit it in a competition. Gotcha. Um, part of the beauty of track and field is it's very objective everyone knows how good everyone is because we all have times and heights and uh these these numbers that kind of define us so yeah that's the thing that's the difference between team sports and individual sports i i've always been fascinated yeah. by that how so when which year did you jump that height i jumped that my fifth year which was um athletically my my senior year i had redshirted a season due to a, a hamstring. Uh, my hammy went kablammy one year. And, uh, I remember that. and uh, yeah, so I had, had some extra eligibility, came back for the fifth year 
and uh, popped the popped the 570, the 18.8. Had you done it a few times in training before that? Um, no. Wow. Holy shit. No. So I put it together for the competition. Uh, the thing is, with track and field and with pole vault, you're capable of so much more in competition because there's this urgency and there's this like live aspect to it. People are watching, you're pumped up, there's more adrenaline. Um, so it really brings out good performances. So was there, was there like a reason behind not hitting that 18-8 in practice or what, like, cause wouldn't it be, would it be more beneficial to hit that in practice and knowing that you can probably perform better in competition or were you just kind of like, I think I can get there. Like what was the, what was the highest training jump you did before you hit that? Um, probably five sixty. Um, so just 10 centimeters below it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't for lack of trying in practice. You know, I was, I was always, I always try to jump as high as I can. Um, when, when I get out there on the runway. Um, but it just took the, the urgency of the competition for me to put it together. That's interesting. That's really interesting. I think certain people react to that pressure differently. And I think all three of us, I mean, me, myself, a completely washed up athlete compared to you two, but, uh, you know, that sense of just like when it matters, like who wants the ball in their hand, uh, in basketball, you know, there's always like the guy who's on the team who you kind of know, like wants to take the last shot if there's five seconds left. Um, and I've always been like attracted to like building that skill. Cause it's been a weakness for me for sure. Like I'm, I'm more of a first half guy. Like I like to perform when it's easy and then, you know, give it off to the better players for the finish. But was that something you always had in you? Like just that hunger for the moment. And, uh, and also like, it's you kind of talked a little bit about like getting into the track and field team as a pole vaulter, but then really working your way up. Um, what did that look like? And talk us through like the progression of going from like interested in the sport. How did you get into it? And then to like really seeing it as a viable path uh, for your life. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the, that kind of like clutch, um, wanting the ball in your hands type of mentality as absolutely something I had to work on. Um, and it, it was kind of a lot, it's a mixture of confidence and training, but also just like mental, just like mental aptitude, like working on your mindset and your beliefs and, um, kind of how you, you view yourself and view the performance. Um, I started pole vaulting my freshman year of high school. Um, my dad was a runner back in the day. So he was like, you you know, definitely do track. It's, it's a great sport. And so I joined track. Um, but having grown up just a super avid skateboarder, um, I was drawn to snowboarding, basically anything um, that was a little bit risky. I just love that feeling of it's almost like a feeling that you got away with something that you shouldn't have. Like when you land a trick, you just kind of think like that, that shouldn't be possible, but I'm like rolling away right now. And it's just, it's a great feeling. Um, so when I got to, when I, when I started track and field in high school, um, 
I immediately gravitated towards pole vault because there was this danger element. You're, you're running as fast as you can. You're putting the pole into the ground. You're bending it. You're getting upside down. And you're just kind of like hucking yourself over this bar. Um, I just thought it was the coolest thing. And um, so, yeah, right from the get-go, the coach, uh, my high school coach, was like, who wants to pole vault? And I just shot my hand up right away. And from then on, um, then on, I was a pole vaulter. And uh, I was... I was pretty, I was pretty good in high school. Like I, I qualified for state my sophomore um, and junior years. I had an aptitude for like uh, being comfortable with the risks that it required. There were certainly people who were way more athletic than me and like way faster and stronger. But when it came to kind of the risk element, they just weren't willing to go there. Um, so I kind of found my own in pole vault. And, um, like I said, I went to state a couple of times. I didn't ever do very well at high school state. I, I definitely wasn't like a standout, but I was good enough, um, in my high school career to walk on to the team at Notre Dame. So basically that means, yeah, we'll take you. Yeah. Pay your <laughs> like, own way. Yeah. And so that was the deal. Um, but I was like over the moon, you know, I was like, wow, division one, this is cool. Great opportunity. Um, you know, I was really thankful for that. And, um, then throughout my time at Notre Dame, uh, I was a bit of a late bloomer in terms of my physique. Like I was a small kid. I was going to say that really like for people in, who yeah. don't know you, they don't, re- they yeah. don't know the like 19 year old scrawny little Nate Richards that like yeah. probably couldn't even squat 225 that easily. Like you were a, you know, I, I saw your progression. So that's like one of the things that I wanted to definitely ask you about. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting dude. you just keep on getting better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look back at some photos of me in high school and even my freshman year in college. And I'm just like, wow, that dude is soft. <laughs> like, this dude has not lost his baby fat yet. He's so soft. And, uh, and so, you know, I jumped 15 feet in high school and my freshman year, I jumped 15, seven. So a little like seven inch bump, um, which is good, but you know, the best in college are jumping 18 feet and higher. So I was still kind of, there was still a lot of ground to cover. Um, but that freshman year in, at Notre Dame, being exposed to a, a really thought through weights program, um, a really good like sprints and jumps coach, um, being exposed to those elements of training, I just, the gains were ridiculous. I think I gained like 15 pounds in one year. Um, and I just got stronger and faster. I just started getting more and more reps. Um, and then kind of had a little breakthrough my sophomore year. Um, it was the regional meet, which is the meet that you go to the competition that you go to, and you have to come top 12. If you come in the top 12, you go to nationals. So I ended up jumping 17, two 
and some change to qualify for nationals my sophomore year. Um, and I think my PR going into that meet was like 1610. So it was another like kind of significant meet where things kind of clicked like that. We were talking about that, that urgency of the competition, that pressure, mm. um, definitely benefited me. And uh, I managed to, to pull out a good performance there and, uh, made it to nationals. So you talk a little bit about the physical training that kind of like was a very significant before and after of like, okay, I'm actually seeing significant growth here. Like from a basic overview, like what was, what did that physical training look like? Like you said, you were working with a sprint and jump coach specifically, but like what type of weight training were you doing? And like, what was your, what was your like physical workout schedule on, on a week to week basis? Yeah, it was anything and everything explosive. So um, pull vault is kind of cool because you train like a sprinter, a jumper and a gymnast and kind of combine all of those elements. So any given day, it was all out short sprints, um, kind of a low rep count, high intensity. You know, you're just really trying to push uh, that top speed. Um, on the lifting side, super explosive lifts, uh, hand clean, uh, clean from the floor, snatch, um, along with building some like general strengths or like deadlift and and squats and stuff like that. Um, we also did a fair amount of plyometrics, which is just, just jumping, just jumping around, whether it's bounding, um, speed bounds, uh, box jumps, and pretty much anything that has to do with getting that nervous system to fire, fire your muscles like harder than they've basically ever been fired. And then you, slowly build that explosive uh that explosive ability like throughout your whole body awesome yeah and then you mentioned a little bit earlier too just like the mindset that's required to really perform in these high pressure moments and that's something that we try to talk about a lot on this show too is just like how like what are the practices that allow us to enter these uh states of mind where we can perform at our at our best so talk to us a little bit about that journey for you like going maybe just compare from like a freshman in high school when you're just getting going everything is new physically and mentally to like now like i would say how, like what are some of the practices that you've incorporated to kind of take care of your mindset and and allow you to get into the to the right state of mind for for high level competition yeah in, in high school there was nothing i did to train my mentality um just showed up and jumped every mm -hmm. day, just not really thinking too hard about it. Um, and then in college, uh, one of my very good friends and roommates, uh, Kevin Escherich, he meditated daily. And I was like, what's this, what, what's this all about? Like I had never met anyone who had meditated. Um, and so I learned a lot about meditation from him and picked up a bit of his practice and uh, I found it was just useful for you're essentially training focus. Um, and so I found that I was better able to kind of quiet the mind in those big moments. At any given time, we all have a lot of chatter going on, um, a lot of just inbound thoughts. And I think 
especially with these risky kind of sports that have a dangerous element to them, those thoughts can be super detrimental. Um, they can pull you out of the moment. They can manifest self-doubt. Um, and when it comes to like throwing yourself 18 feet in the air, you got to be dialed in. Like you got to be totally focused on the present moment and, and what's going on in front of you. So I would say meditation has been huge. Um, but it's also a balance. Um, like for, for a time, um, and this, my mental game is something I'm always working on. So as a professional for a time, I would meditate uh, actually before jump sessions. And I found that it helped clarity and focus an incredible amount. But um, in certain situations, it made me too calm. Like oh. I wasn't amped up. And when you have like, when you're jumping on the biggest pole you've ever jumped on and you're, you're trying to go, go for new heights, you want to be calm, but you don't want to be sedated. You gotta, you have to be aggressive and you have to be pumped up and like amped up. Um, so I've been working a bit more on finding that constantly working on finding that balance between focused calm but also just like super stoked and ready to take the next jump you know excited for it and and there's almost this element of aggression that you need definitely that's very super interesting yeah trying to find that balance yeah um yeah really interesting yeah, it's, it's it's interesting because I think like, like I love to relate pole vaulting to skateboarding because that was just a huge, huge part of my life. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure anyone who's watched like a skateboarding video has probably seen like a good amount of freakouts by like a skater just raging, just super pissed off and like losing their cool. And that totally happened all the time. Um, and that's because of this like imbalance, you know, you, it's almost like you want it so bad you you're getting so aggressive with your skating that you're getting farther and farther away from landing the trick um and so that was something that i um that i had learned without even knowing that i had learned it um back skateboarding uh was to be able to in those moments when you're just super frustrated and just banging your head against the wall to like, take a step back and kind of like relax, not get in your own way. Um, and uh, I, there's just like such a connection there between skating and pole vault um, that I'm, I'm still learning from to this day. Dude, yeah, we talk about this a lot. Um, Matthew and I both learned how to surf in the last like three years or so. And Matthew lives down on the beach. You get to surf all the time. Um, and there's, I don't know, man, for me, I always played like ball sports and team sports. And in my twenties, I've naturally gravitated towards things that like bring me more in tune with my body, with nature, with just like experiencing. And it's just more accessible to go and get on the bike than it is to get nine guys and play basketball or something like that. But, um, 
for you, dude, is it, is there, was there another breakthrough in your twenties once you became pro and now like talk to us about current day, you literally just got back from a a competition in Germany. Uh, so fill Mm -hmm. us in on like just this, this evolution of, uh, Nate Richards from scrawny. And then, and, uh, I also want to ask you just about like the risks you mentioned it like lightly, but you know, we all see the Instagram videos of the guy going sideways when he's 14, 15 feet up in the air or something like that. Like what, what kind of risks are there as well? So two part, uh, disjointed question. (laughs) No, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, that's the, that's the cool thing about trying to master anything, like whether it's sport or an an art or any sort of craft is like, you're you're just constantly learning. And if you're not, then you're probably doing something wrong. Um, I, I definitely had a breakthrough in terms of consistency. Once I turned pro, like that a standard jump that I mentioned that I did in college, like I did it one time. And moreover, after I did it, my body just felt wrecked, you know, like when I was jumping in college after jump sessions, my body would just be destroyed. Um, and that's because biomechanically the way I was running, the way I was jumping, it was all just like brute strength. Um, and it was lacking some finesse, you know, it was lacking some, some like sound running mechanics and some efficiency. um, some efficiency, totally. Um, and uh, when I got out to Arizona, my coach, my new coach, and my current coach, Nick Hysong, dude, he just pulled, he just picked me apart, you know? <laughs> like, I thought I had it figured out, you know? I thought I was just like, you know, oh, I jumped the World Day Standard in college. I'm pretty good. I kind of know what's going on. And he just, he's such a candid person and he just gave it to me straight. Like you jumped at one time. Great. That's, that might as well be like a mistake or, you know, like a coincidence (laughs) that you put it together. Yeah. Um, And so he just drilled me and drilled me on my running mechanics. Um, So I started running, like I'm running sprint workouts and while I'm running, he's yelling at me like, what I'm doing wrong, like get your knees up, you know, like get your chest up, um, you know, be, be popular, uh, open up. And, uh, I really drilled on those mechanics and the result was now I'm jumping 570, like four or five times a year. Um, and it's kind of like any old day I'm going out and I'm jumping, just about 570. Um, whereas before in college, it was like jump 570 once, mm. body's destroyed, <laughs> try to put it back together in time, and then maybe jump like, you know, a 520 or a 530, which is like 17 feet. So it was kind of all over the map in college. Now out here, um, jumping professionally, um, you know, you have to like money's on the line and people are paying to come see you. So you have to perform every time. Um, And it's a little bit cutthroat in that sense of in college, your coach might say, Oh, you know, it's a bad day or it's all on you might explain away some things like that. 
they don't care. No one, no one cares uh, in professional track and field and they shouldn't because you're a professional. You should figure out how to get it done on the day, no matter what kind of conditions are present. Um, and uh, yeah, you mentioned um, my, my recent trip to Europe. So I did a, um, a tour in Europe. Uh, I hit a bunch of continental tour meets which uh, is just this professional tour throughout the, throughout the world um, that happens every year. And uh, I had one in Dessau, Germany, and then I went to Poznan, Poland, and then I went to Manchester, Great Britain, nice. and then flew over to uh, Slovakia, and then I jumped um, in the Netherlands, and then I jumped in Greece. And so I had six competitions, in three weeks holy wow four of which were good results um and so comparing that to college in three weeks i might compete once maybe twice now as a professional i'm not only competing six times in three weeks i'm traveling from country to country um i'm jet lagged uh, you know, and, and I'm still figuring out how to put together these good performances. Um, so it's been, it's been crazy. And, uh, even talking about it now, I'm kind of like, okay, like I've come a long way. Um, but a big part of that is, is staying healthy and, uh, and yeah, just working on that finesse i'm always working on that finesse and that touch because let's be real you know like we all want to look good at what we're doing you know talk about like surfing or skiing just have some style you know flow. there there are some guys who can send it you know obviously but there are other guys who just make it look so easy mm-hmm. and uh they make it you know there's no doubt that it's a not a coincidence that they landed that um and so that's where I'm coming from is I want to be that finesse guy who, who looks good doing it and makes it look easy. And, and yeah, it's a fun way to jump. What is your, uh, what's your diet like? Like, how do you eat on top of all of this, on top of all the training? Yeah, that's something that's evolved a bit for me as well. I'm constantly learning. Um, and I think it's super helpful to, read up on diets, read up on nutrition. Um, but even what's more important is like the anecdotal you evidence you get from your own body. Totally. And you know how certain foods make you feel. Um, and I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm very like strict in any way. Um, because I just know what's healthy. Like, and I just, I cook for myself quite often. And so I feel like that eliminates a lot of kind of garbage you can be putting into your body right off the bat. Um, but I would say in terms of my diet now, I'm pretty light um, in the morning. Like I'll wake up, I'll have some, uh, I get protein in the body right away. Um, like some eggs, some sausage or turkey sausage. And then I kind of lay off because my training sessions are in the afternoon. So I don't like to have anything in my stomach really while I'm training. Um, and those sessions can last like, depends on the day, but anywhere three to five hours. Um, so I'll bring a little snack with, 
um, to, to training. And then I'll bring some protein to hit right after training um, to make sure like I'm getting, giving my body what it needs. And then when I get home, like it's go time, like I cook dinner um, nice. and I just, I just eat until I go to bed. Basically I'm more concerned with getting enough. Like I would rather have too much um, so that I can recover fully than, than kind of not getting enough. Um, but I go for all the, all the greens. I love veggies. Uh, stir fry some veggies is awesome. Um, I try to just spice up some chicken or some salmon or fish. And uh, my carbs are usually like potatoes or rice. Um, pretty simple. I'm not a very picky eater. So I think that's made it easy for me. Like I don't have to make elaborate meals that necessarily like taste amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what I've been on lately. Matthew's a vegan. <laughs> I knew that was, I knew that was coming. Exposed. I, that I was, was hoping coming. you were going to say steak, dude. I'm not going to lie. It was a little bit of a bummer. You didn't lead with uh, red meat. But no, dude, I mean, red you meat. know what's working for you. I'm just joking. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, man, uh, that's pretty cool. I, I mean, I, uh, I love to get inside your head and hear like what it's actually like to treat your life like a real, like you're a professional in your chosen craft. Like I've had to come to some pretty hard realizations myself, like finding myself too burned out. Maybe like, like you mentioned, taking care mm-hmm. of your health. If you don't have your health, there's no chance you're going to be able to like achieve any type of goals or anything really. Um, and, uh, and yeah, dude, that's, that's pretty cool that you take it that seriously and that you've like gone down this path. Like what are the challenges or the harder sides? Like the reality is I'm sure they're not paying you huge money. There's the like actual financial balance of like, are you looking for sponsorships? What is, what is kind of like the successful professional pole vault career? How does that come together? Yeah. Um, so the pinnacle of the sport for better, or for worse is the Olympic games. So basically the way you make a living out of track and field is with an Olympic medal, um, which obviously they don't give out too many of those. So that leaves a lot of, uh, a lot of professional track athletes. Um, and I would, I would venture to say most probably 80% have part-time jobs or full-time jobs on the side. Um, so I work part-time like 25 hours a week. I do like digital product development just from home. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to work with a company that like knows my situation and they understand, um, you know, the rigors of training and, uh, they're flexible with me when I like, you know, I'm in a different time zone. Like I'm in, I'm in Germany and, uh, the normal AM meeting times are like 7 PM for me. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of the, the financial aspect of, of it um, is definitely interesting. It's definitely competitive. Um, the way it kind of works uh, like on these meets that I was in in Europe is uh, there's like two ways to get paid. There's appearance fee and then there's prize money. Um, and so if you're a hotshot gold medalist or a world record holder, everyone wants you at their meet. So they're going to pay you to just come out. Right. And 
those range, they have a wide range. Um, and then the prize money, depending on um, how kind of big the meeting is, uh, and certain meetings are ranked higher or lower in terms of importance, but the bigger meetings, more prize money, the smaller ones less. Um, but really the way to do it is kind of the way I did is um, go over there and jump as much as you can in as many meets as you can put up good performances in each one. And then you're, you know, if you're making money at each meet, um, then you're doing okay. And uh, they'll pay for, so they pay for my travel to, to get out there, to get over to Europe, to get my poles over there, which is a whole nother thing. Holy crap. Um, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 17 foot long pull bag. <laughs> uh, I've never seen anyone at an airline happy to see it. Oh. Uh, they're always just kind of like, what do we do with this? If that thing breaks, <laughs> if they damage it, like you are, in, you're committing a crime. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it, it does happen. And I, I had my pose lost. Um, I went over to Europe indoors and I had three meets, one in Germany, France, um, and, uh, and in the UK. And on the way back, my pose didn't make it. And uh, they were missing for like five weeks. Whoa. Crazy. Like the airline just didn't know where they went. Eventually they found them in like Iceland and sent them back to me. But they called me from Iceland and they asked me, excuse me, sir, uh, we're trying to get your bag on the plane. Um, is it okay if we dismember it? Like, can we take it apart? <laughs> like no yeah dude no way so, just saw it in half yeah hard no hard no hard no on that um but yeah the financial aspect is certainly interesting uh it's it's a wide range um, yeah i just i like to ask about it because we always you know we love to talk about the realities of these things and so it's yeah. awesome to hear about like the highlights but also yeah dude appreciate you uh sharing kind of the the other side of things. So it sounds like, I mean, uh, you've got a creative uh, kind of like outlet as well. How does maybe speak a little bit? We got a couple minutes left here on just like this dynamic of how pursuing something at such a high level pole vaulting influences other areas of your life and then vice versa. Like does, does having that job amplify or does it, do you feel like a tension between like, Oh, I'm always hustling to get to, training because i'm drained from work or what is that dynamic like yeah it's it's a balance definitely um but at the same time like i can't train 12 hours a day <laughs> like it's just it wouldn't benefit it wouldn't even be beneficial to train that much um and so i do enjoy having like another outlet uh i think it's important for balance um especially if you know you have a hard practice or something like that, things aren't going well in the pole vault world, it's nice to have something else to distract you mm. or something else to even have success in. Um, but uh, it's, it's definitely a balancing act. I'm always, I'm always working on it. Um, and uh, yeah, I actually feel like lately I'm, I'm able to work more um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to taking on more in the future. Um, in terms of like work outside of pole vault. Uh, one lesson I'd say from kind of per this pursuit um, of this professional pole vaulting career is I realized 
I should have been aiming for the top from like the time I started in high school. I think it would have been a different, a radically different journey if I had been aiming to be the very best, like right from the get go. My journey was kind of like, oh, you know, like pole vault is cool, I wanna try it out. And then it was kind of short-sighted. I was like, oh, I wanna qualify to state. And then, oh, I wanna jump 17 feet. Oh, now I've jumped 17 feet. Wouldn't it be cool to jump 18 feet and go to nationals? Oh, I've made it to nationals. Oh, now I wanna win nationals. But if, I can't help but think back, like if I had just started out, like let's be the best might've been different. And I, I think I try to apply that in the things I do now outside of pole vault is whenever I get into something new, I want to look at like, what are the best people doing? Like how far do people take this? Like what's possible? Um, and that might not be for everyone, but that's kind of something that I've gleaned from, from jumping with a stick over another stick. <laughs> Holy crap, dude. What a great way to end it. We're Zoom is kicking us off, so I'm going to have to like give us at least a pause here. And uh, dude, thank you for coming and sharing so much good stuff. That's oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, where can we keep in touch in the meantime? Um, How can we follow along your next uh, meet? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been trying to post more on Instagram. Um, Nate underscore Richards and uh and yeah that's kind of mainly where I'm at so follow me on there and we'll see.